Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Saturday night service in downtown Covington on Saturday, March 13th. The title of this message is God in the Hard Times. And this comes as part of our series, Life Connected. Tonight we're going to be looking at how to connect with God when things are going tough, when we've got trials, when we've got suffering, when we have broken expectations, failures. So thanks for listening. Check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org for resources in our 40 Days of Faith series and also some new updates, recommended reading, and other things to help you out. Now, here we go to the talk. As I mentioned in the announcements, we, we've got this faith experiment we're doing called 40 Days of Faith, and, and the challenge I did um, probably about three weeks ago is we, we talked about Jesus, how he uh, tells us in prayer to to keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, to be persistent. So, so our 40 days of faith is the, these 40 days leading up to Easter. We're just asking God for, to, to meet some needs in our life, whether they're a physical need, uh, whether it's some wisdom. Anybody need wisdom for your, your job or, or situations? Or even for some doors to be opened. Uh, maybe, maybe you got a good business going, but you could use some open doors right now. Uh, we're, we're praying for those things. And um, I got to tell you, one of the cool parts of being a pastor is I get to hear all the cool things uh, that are happening. And already, I've, I've talked to so many people who have already seen God begin to answer prayers in their lives. And, and, and I get people who are emailing me and calling me up and saying, man, you know, I, I, I feel like my, my spiritual life had kind of plateaued. I was kind of stuck. But, but now I'm, I'm experiencing God in a new and fresh way. And that, that's, that's super cool. But that's only one side of the story because, like, even mentioning Wanda's prayer request tonight and, and other people, you know, the, the other side about being a pastor is you get to hear all the good things, but you also get to hear all the hard stuff that people are going through. And I know there's, there's people in here right now. You're, 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 you're going through hard times financially. You're going through hard times in relationships. You're going through hard times on your job. And, you know, we're in this little series here, little series. It's going to take us a year to get through. But the, the first <laughs> quarter of this series, Life Connected, we've been talking about ways that we connect with God. And so, you know, we started out by talking about worship. We've been talking about prayer, spiritual disciplines. We talked about, you know, getting quiet, the discipline of stillness. Last time we talked, last week we talked about kind of practicing the presence of God, learning how to have a kind of a conversation with God throughout your day. And, that's all good stuff, and that's all certainly a part of it. But tonight, we're going to look at kind of a darker part of the Christian faith. Trials. God in hard times. Tonight, if you got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 10. If not, we've got it up on the screen, so you don't have to worry. Um, <coughs> and I'm going to be... You can go back and read this whole passage in Matthew 10. I'm just going to read a few selected verses tonight just uh, to streamline this message. But in verse 1, Jesus, it says this, Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority 
over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. See, I am sending you out into the midst of wolves. So be, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. This scripture is kind of a good news, bad news situation. You ever get those kind of things from people, you know, the good news is the bad news. Jesus starts out by saying the good news is I am setting the world right. I am reconciling people to me. The even better news is you, every one of you guys, get to play. Isn't that cool? Jesus didn't didn't call us to just be spectators in this. He actually invites us into what he's doing. And then he gives his disciples, he says, I'm giving you the authority to, to pray for the sick and they'll be healed and to cast out, uh, you know, to, to free people who are, are demonized and, and to proclaim that God's kingdom is right here. That's pretty hot, huh? That's uh, pretty neat that Jesus invites us into that. The bad news is, Jesus ends this verse by saying, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. How's that sound to you? see we're being sent Jesus is saying we're being sent with a mission into a hostile world a world that is corrupted by sin and perversion with a very real enemy who wants to take us down physically, spiritually, emotionally he wants to to drive a wedge in our relationships he wants to get us separated and alone and and isolated from God and so Jesus drives home this point by saying you're going to be like sheep among wolves, and I can imagine uh, that, that that analogy probably didn't go over great with the initial disciples. Uh, you know, there's, there was a book that I read when I was a kid. My parents actually read it to me called, I think it was called um, uh, Character Sketches, and uh, this book would my parents would read it to me, and it had a different lesson about a different animal. It would, it would you know, choose a certain animal, and then it would give you kind of a life lesson on how you could apply these things to your life. And I thought it was pretty cool as a kid. You know, you get to learn about animals and then, you know, some kind of spiritual principle. So, you know, one chapter might talk about a beaver, and, and the lesson would be working hard and, and, and ingenuity. Another, another chapter would talk about uh, a dog, and, and the lesson would be loyalty and courage and so on. But you know, in that book, Character Sketches, there was no chapter on sheep. Anybody know why that is? Because there's not anything that's noteworthy about sheep. There's, nothing, there's no life lesson you can get from being a sheep. Um, <laughs> see, sheep, among God's creatures, sheep have no defense mechanisms. You know, I mean, they're basically kind of helpless apart from staying in the herd. They aren't very smart. They're not predators of anything except grass. And yet sheep exist on the menu for a, a myriad of other animals out there. And woe to the poor sheep that gets isolated from the herd. A sheep by himself in the wild, you can just chalk that one up to dinner. So... When Jesus says to his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, this was not a compliment. 
You know, I can imagine Peter, you know, the way Peter kind of reacts to things, I can imagine, like, Jesus, look, you know, the rest of these guys, sheep. <laughs> I get it. But me, lion, bear, you know, I'm sending you out like a lion among wolves, and you're going to tear them up, and you're just going you, to, you, you're going to just do amazing things. And I can imagine Jesus just said, no, sheep. <laughs> See, this would be the equivalent of Jesus saying, I'm sending you out like fresh meat in a lion cage. <laughs> There's no way that you can work sheep fighting wolves into a good scenario. It's just not going to work. Because wolves are more cunning, they're smarter, they're quicker, and they're stronger than sheep. Jesus closes out this little section by saying, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You don't have to put that up yet. Oh, you can't. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were going on to the next one. Anybody know any grumpy old men in here? Anybody married to a grumpy old man? Don't, don't say anything. <laughs> Ricky's. <laughs> grumpy old women. Anybody? Okay. There are going to be some grumpy people when they get home tonight, that's for sure. Uh, (laughs) It's not just old men and old women. I I, I find plenty of grumpy 20-somethings, you know, people who are just, you know, already, you know, by the prime of 22 years old. They're they're already cynical and bitter. (laughs) uh, But, you know, the, the truth is, I don't know if you've noticed this about yourself, but if, I, if I'm being honest with you, the truth is the older I get, the, the more I notice this tendency to become cynical and judgmental. You, you ever notice that about yourself? You, you ever just stop? You ever kind of like listen to yourself from outside sometimes? Like, I listen to what you're saying. You just, you sound mean. You, you just sound kind of, yeah. I, I aggravate myself sometimes. Like when I pay attention to what I'm saying, I'm like, God. Ah, I'm, I'm turning into that person. And uh, recently I saw this. I went up to a, a worship retreat up in Estes Park, Colorado. It was a National Vineyard Worship Leaders Retreat. And uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year. I've been going to this thing for about seven or eight years now. And uh, it's really a highlight in my year. For, for one, it's in Colorado. And any excuse I have to get into Colorado is always a good thing. But I always seem to encounter God up there. And... Um, Basically, what happens at this worship retreat is it's pretty cool. You, you have some small groups, and then you have some times worshiping and singing together, and you, you have a few people that speak. <clears throat> but I got to be honest, as incredible as these worship times are, and they are incredible because you've got like 200 worship leaders worshiping, and, uh, and the, the people on the stage, I mean, it, it's, all, it's like as good a worship as you can get from a you know, musical standpoint. Uh, but with all that, I find that I have a struggle worshiping up there. And you know why? Because I got all kinds of noise going on inside my head. And it's thoughts of, of you know, because, you know, you get worship leaders around other worship leaders, you get critical, and, and you start going, you know, because I've been playing music for a long time, and I've been leading worship for a long time. I know some stuff, right? And... Uh, so I find myself during worship, and I'm like, oh, that, that's a good song. I don't know about that next song. That girl does not need to be singing in that key. <laughs> that guy needs to learn how to play a different, you know, a different 
way on that guitar. I did not like that too. And I'm, I'm finding like this noise going on. Everybody's singing, you know, be my everything. And I'm like, eh. um, <laughs> and so I'm in the midst of one of those worship sessions where, you know, heaven was all around me and I had all this noise going on in my head. And, uh, and I felt like God rebuked me with this scripture, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I felt like God was saying, yeah, you, you, you may know some stuff. You may have some wisdom. You may know more about music than these, these people, or you may know more about song arranging, or you may have been leading worship a lot longer than this guy or that person. But you know what? You've lost your innocence. You've lost the, the, the childlike heart. Because, you, you know, you, you've gone through a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I got wisdom from experience. But somehow I lost... That, that ability to just come running to God and, and sing and, and, and enjoy his presence. And I felt like God just, you know, had to smack me down a bit. I read a quote by Albert Einstein. He said, information is not knowledge. The only source of knowledge is experience. Jesus actually said something similar uh, many years early. Jesus said in John eight thirty one through 32, he said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, when Jesus uses that word know, it's not like knowing the right answers to Bible trivia. <laughs> He's not saying, if you follow me and be my disciples, you'll really know how to quote things, and you'll know theology, you'll know doctrine. No, it's, it's knowing intimately. You'll know it from experience. It's not going to be theory anymore. It's going to be reality. But that's the, way, that's the way we learn things, isn't it? You know, no matter how many times your mom told you not to touch that stove, how many of y'all had to find out by touching that stove? You had to experience what burning your fingers. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of kids are saying, y'all do that yesterday? <laughs> we learn through experiences. But you know what? We learn probably more even through hard times, don't we? Have you ever noticed that when things are going good, you don't learn much? Anybody ever notice that? When, when your relationship with your spouse is going great, when you got a raise on the job, nobody's complaining, when you got a beautiful day like this Saturday and the kids are loving one another, the bills are paid, you don't learn much, do you? You're just kind of on autopilot. Why would you learn anything? Well, you wouldn't want to mess it up, right? <laughs> it's the hard times where we really, the hard times in life, it forces stuff to the surface. It, it forces you to deal with things that you don't want to deal with. You know, I know when I got married about 12 and a half years ago, uh, I thought I knew a lot of stuff about marriage. I mean, I'd read books on marriage. Uh, I'd listen to people on the radio talk about marriage. I'm like, how hard can this thing be? <laughs> and I realized about three days into our honeymoon, there was going to be a little bit more to this than I, I thought. <laughs> I, I know uh, John, John Eldridge just came out with a book called Love and War. And, <laughs> and I was watching a little interview, and I was like, I've made that same statement before. They, they said, you know, we got married thinking it was about love. We found out it was a lot more like war. And, and that's, what, that's what it was. You know, within a couple of weeks, all of my knowledge that I thought I had about marriage just evaporated. The only deep theological prayer I could do was, God, help me. <laughs> help. 
I mean, my theology got whittled down to mercy, Lord. (laughs) If this thing's going to work out, you just got to show up. We learn stuff in the hard times because it, it, it shakes kind of our uh, illusions of what we know. And it forces stuff to the surface. But you know what? Hard times can also make for hard hearts. Hard times can make for hard hearts. You know, the truth is the most cynical people in our world, and we, we probably know plenty of them, just turn on talk radio. You can, you can, if, you're, if you're looking for some cynical people, you can, you can find them real easy. The most cynical people in our world, many times they got there and they got all kinds of wisdom. It's not cynicism devoid of wisdom, okay? They got their wisdom because they went through a lot of hard times. But their hearts became hardened in the midst of it. Childlike faith was replaced, replaced by hardness, by pride. You know, hard times are so hard because usually they come unexpectedly, don't they? Hard times are hard. The the thing that makes hard times so hard is they usually come in unexpected. One of my favorite songwriters, a guy named Bruce Coburn, he's got this lyric in one of his songs. He said, sometimes a wind comes from out of nowhere and knocks you sideways. Can anybody identify with that? You're just going along, things are great, and then all of a sudden you didn't even see this thing coming and it hits you. See, if you can see a hard time coming, it's like when a hurricane's coming, you know you need to go down to the store, buy some bread, buy some water. There's certain things you can do to prepare for it, right? But it's when a tornado comes out of the blue and, and takes your ha- house away, you're in trouble. Hard times are hard because they come unexpected. See, we make plans in our lives based on expectations, don't we? We all have certain things, and believe me, you, you may think, I don't have a whole lot of expectations. I have pretty low expectations in life. But we all have expectations, and we make plans based on our expectations. We expect things from people, don't we? We expect certain people to behave a certain way, right? We expect things from our jobs. Many of you, you know, maybe even since the recession hit, you know, you, you were kind of expecting that you could work the same job for 20 years and then retire. Maybe you're having to adjust your expectations. We have expectations about our health. We all expect that that we can just keep on going like we're 20 years old. Right? We expect that. <laughs> the problem is we got this, you know, this mind that that still thinks we're 20 sometimes and uh has to be reminded. But we all end up having failed expectations. Because of that we have failed plans. Everything that we were dreaming of now has to be adjusted. The companies that we work for get bought out by other companies and work gets outsourced, things get downsized, and your 401k, it shrinks. Marriages collapse. You find out within a few years, some of you within a few weeks, <laughs> that that person that you fell in love with, that, that you, you felt like... Nothing could stop it up there on the altar in your ceremony. You find out that this person is really hard to live with. There's a lot of issues. And you start wondering, did I do the wrong thing here? Would I have been better off, off alone? Out of the blue, you or a family member might get hit with sickness. And, and it just rocks your foundation to the core. 
Because now everything in your life, in a moment, changes. What makes hard times so hard is, is we don't see the really hard times coming. We don't see it. It's not on our radar. You know, in, in America these days, there is a theology that goes like this. Following Jesus equals easy life. Anybody ever heard of that theology before? Anybody ever believe that theology? <laughs> I know when I first became a Christian, that's what I thought. I thought following Jesus, man, it'll be easier. Because certainly I came to God when I was at the bottom of my life. I was pretty screwed up. And certainly it got a little bit easier because I was, I was pretty messed up. And, and I did have God in my life, but, but all of a sudden you begin swimming against the current. <laughs> you were floating with, with all the things that were, were going in the world, but now all of a sudden you're, you're swimming against an enemy. You're going against a world that's hostile to faith. See, to make this kind of, and, and unfortunately there, there are too many people on TV, on the radio, too many, you can go down to your local Christian bookstore, not this one that we have, but... Uh, <laughs> <coughs> with all of our 10 books here. <clears throat> but I know when I first became a Christian, I kind of bought into this idea because when I turn on the TV, half the people I saw on TV were saying, if you follow Jesus, life's going to get easier. If you just give a little bit more, your finances will get a little bit easier. If you just do this, it'll all work out. I'd turn on Christian radio, and the songs would be shiny, happy songs about how life gets shiny and happier with Jesus. And after about two years for that, I thought I was just a mess because my life wasn't getting easier. <laughs> it was a lot, in a lot of ways, it was getting harder. It was mainly getting harder because I was trying to pretend around Christians like I had everything going like the rest of them, and, and I didn't. <laughs> to make the case that following Jesus things get easier is, is to really ignore a lot of what Jesus said. <laughs> it's to ignore a lot with the New Testament. You've got to take out chunks of the Bible and the New Testament if you think that following God equals easy, carefree life, okay? But somehow, when we read the scriptures, we have selective hearing, don't we? We, we love reading the things about God's going to bless us. Oh, that's good. God's going to forgive us. Awesome. Heaven? Cool. Sign me up. But we, we tend to move over to things like bless your enemies, <laughs> pick up your cross, <laughs> You're going to have to forgive other people. People are going to accuse you. It's going to get rough. You know, the disciples had selective hearing. Remember, there's a story about Peter. The disciples are gathered around Jesus, and, and Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? And all the disciples, you know, they're, they're talking about what various people are saying. And then finally, Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter says, ah, you're, you're, you're the Christ, the living God, the, the Messiah. Son of God. And Jesus says, bingo. Peter, you get, you get a star. Because you know what? You didn't, you didn't think of that in your own mind. The Spirit of God actually revealed it to you. But you know, if you follow that story, another couple of verses, the same Jesus that was commending him for, for having a revelation by the Spirit of God is calling Peter Satan. <laughs> you know why? Because Jesus starts talking about he's got to go to Jerusalem and he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And Peter starts going, wait a second. Hey, hey. I just, 
I just got the right answer. I said that you're going to be the Messiah, the guy who's going to set things right, the guy who, who's going to come here and, 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 and make this world a better place, and, and you're going to take care of it, and I'm in your entourage, and I'm going with you. And Jesus said, Peter, this is part of the deal. Jesus missed that. See, I mean, Peter missed that. See, Jesus had been talking about this stuff all the time. Peter tries to shut him up, and Jesus said, you need to get behind me. Satan. The disciples had selective hearing. Even when Jesus went to the cross and rose from the grave, a lot of them didn't get what was happening until they actually saw Jesus. They had selective hearing. Jesus didn't keep it a mystery. But we have selective hearing in the way we approach Scripture. We won't go into a whole lot of this here, but if you look at the Scriptures, the early church, the book of Acts, they had a lot of things going for them, but it was not easy. They were persecuted. Look at Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. He was stoned two occasions. He was bitten by a snake. He was run out of several towns. He, he got to visit all kinds of prisons. He spent the last years of his life in prisons. Not good prisons either. It was not the kind of prison where you, you were entitled to three meals a day and you had a nice place where you could go work out outside. It was the kind like if you're going to eat, it's because you got somebody bringing you food from the outside hard times, but this, the same Paul who wrote those things said, nothing, nothing can separate, can separate you from the love of God. All things are working together for good. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Does that sound schizophrenic, or is there something that we just don't get here? So the question is, how can you go through trials how can you go through hard times? How can you go through suffering and maintain a childlike innocence? Anybody want to know that? Well, let's go back to sheep for a second. As I said earlier, sheep have only one kind of defense mechanism. And what's that? Staying in the herd. <laughs> the sheep... <laughs> The only thing they got to do that's going to help them is staying together. What's your first reaction when you start having hard times in your life? Isolate. <laughs> it's my first reaction. Man, I start struggling with something. And, and what's crazy is, you, you, or even around Christians, you would think that the moment you start facing some pain, you would reach out to other Christians, but sometimes we get too prideful for that, don't we? We we're like, don't, want to see, don't want people to see that I'm having problems with my finances or problems in my marriage. Or that I'm struggling with an addiction or something like that. We isolate ourselves. We remove ourselves. How's that work for you when you try that? <laughs> Not good. You become uh, an appetizer for the enemy. So sheep naturally have only one defense. And it's not even a very good one. It's sticking together. The other defense, which they don't have, which they need, is a shepherd. You got the right answer. The good news is that God has called us to proclaim his kingdom, to go out there and announce he's coming, to pray for people, to see people set free. The bad news is we're being sent out like sheep among wolves, but the even better news is that we have a good shepherd. Jesus, in the book of John, chapter 10, he says this in verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus goes on to say in verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hands. Jesus makes it clear that, that we should expect hard times. When I was talking to Dina about this, you know, in our relationship, I'm kind of the optimistic one, like to a fault. <laughs> like I get myself in all kinds of trouble because I think I can, we can do this. Uh, that's why we're planting a church. Uh, <laughs> and Dina, Dina's more the pessimistic one, although she likes to say she's the realistic one. Um, <laughs> And so I was telling, I was talking with her about these scriptures, like, you know, I mean, it seems like Jesus is making the case that we need to expect, like, we need to expect bad times. And Jesus, and she was like, that's awesome. <laughs> She's like, that's the way I, I'm finally validated. <laughs> but, you know, we, we should live, not, not to be morbidly pessimistic, but we shouldn't be surprised when we face trials. We shouldn't. We should expect them. If we get a day without some trials, if we get a day without sickness in our family and, and a day without relational problems and, and, and we get a few days where the finances are going great, we should just thank God and, you know, hey, that's great. That's awesome. That's the icing on the cake. But we should expect that following Jesus is going to be hard. It's going to be hard, but you know what? He's going to be with you. As hard as it is, you got Jesus with you. And that makes it all worthwhile. Jesus actually said in John 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's your shepherd, sheep. <laughs> That's your shepherd. You're going to have problems, you're going to have trials, you're going to have troubles, but you've got a good shepherd who's already overcome all those problems, all those trials, and he is with you to the end. I want to conclude tonight I don't think my voice can hold out much longer. I want to conclude tonight by reading some lyrics to a song that was written thousands of years ago. And the song was written by a shepherd. And I, I have a feeling he probably wrote it while he was out there watching the sheep with his lyre or whatever, a lyre, a leer. What's interesting about the lyrics of this psalm, you'll recognize it. What's interesting about these lyrics is they don't offer an escape. They don't offer an escape from, from troubles. But the shepherd you see in this psalm is walking with you, even through hard times, even in the face of enemies, enemies who are breathing down your neck. And tonight, I want each of you to think of, of maybe the hardest things that you're going through right now. I want you to envision those things and to take them before God right now. And as I read these lyrics, I want you to see Jesus walking you through those things.
preparing a table in front of your enemies. I want you to see the provision of God to take care of you and to meet with you and walk you through it. See, that's the only way to have wisdom and innocence. And you know what? This world doesn't need any more bitter Christians. You know that? Our world doesn't need any more cynical, jaded Christians. We got plenty of those. We can go down to the local bar right now and find plenty of people who gave up on God because it was just too hard and they're cynical and they're bitter about it. The world really needs some people who've been through some hard things, but they still got an openness to God. They still got a childlike heart. They still believe. They still expect God to show up at any minute. Who wants to be like that? I do. I don't think I'm there totally. Just close your eyes. And listen to the words of this Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, tonight, tonight we, we take the hard times that we're going through. And maybe there's a couple people in who aren't really going through any hard times, but they know people going through hard times, God. And we, we offer these things to you. We offer you the sickness, the financial problems, the marriage problems, the problems with kids. God, the problems in our minds, Lord, the problems with our bills, we take all these things to you right now, God. And as sheep, <clears throat> as sheep who can't do anything for ourselves, Lord, except huddle together, God, we look to you as our shepherd tonight, God. Lord, we just ask you to walk us through these things, God. Lord, to, to provide the things necessary, God. God, we just want to follow you. Lord, wherever our hearts have become hardened, God, we just ask that you would soften them up. Lord, that we could begin to expect good things from you again. God, we could begin to let go of our judgment, our cynicism. Release that into your hands, God. Just lead us and guide us. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray these things tonight. Amen. I'm going to invite Zach and Faith up here and
I'll be up here myself. If you come here tonight and, and you're like in a really hard place, why don't you stick around and, and, and we'll pray for you. Uh, otherwise, love to have you back next Saturday if you're in the area. Um, I'll have your homework online this week, so check out the website. Thank you guys for coming tonight. Glad to have you here. Press on. Amen.